Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elisa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's Real Trending crossover episode features an interview with At Properties co-founders Mike Golden and Thad Wong. They talk about the company's growth, their nationwide franchising strategies, and their technology platforms. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. At TMS, we believe in building relationships and helping to grow happiness. It's what we do best. Let us show you that efficient and transparent communication exists in subservicing. Switching from your current subservicer to TMS couldn't be easier. Learn more today at subservicing.themoneysource.com. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Thad Wong and Mike Golden, co-founders and co-CEOs of App Properties. Established in 2000, the Chicago-based company has climbed the Realtrends rankings and in 2021 was ranked number nine by transaction sides and number eight by sales volume. So welcome, Thad and Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm glad you could be here. So I want to start with your funding. Um, You know, Quad C, a private equity firm, invested in app properties in 2018 and I remember it was kind of one of those best kept secrets. We had brokers asking from your area, asking if you sold the brokerage, what was going on. They heard something. And of course, we I didn't know and no one revealed it. Um, So from what I can see, that investment helped you create a tech platform. So tell me a little bit about that. Did you build it from scratch? Did you piece it together for different products? And Thad, I'll go ahead and start with you. So that was the interesting thing. I think nationally, people thought, that the funding was used to uh, build the tech platform. When on the contrary, I think we hired our first engineer in maybe 2005. So we had been building our own technology for about 15 years prior to bringing the funding in from Quad C. And I think it was really the technology platform, the integration and the efficiency that we had already built and the adoption that we already had with our agents that attracted Quad C into becoming our partner. So the funding really, it accelerated some of the nuance and some of the additional products that we created around platform uh, by adding more engineers. And I think our tech department is now, uh, it's pretty big now. It's a pretty big size as a percentage of our uh, agents and as a percentage of our employees. Uh, So it did begin for us to add on and scale into other markets. But when they invested in us, they really invested in us because of our technology. Okay. And um, so tell me about your platform. What does it include? So it sounds like you built it from scratch. You have a development team working on it. Um, is it cloud-based? Is it, do you have property listing pages? Tell me what you, you know, what it entails. So in all reality, what we built a while ago is what competitors are trying to build now. Effectively, we build an entirely integrated system from contract to close actually pre-contract because we have a digital listing presentation that's interactive and a digital CMA that's interactive. And we have a deal management system that's a part of platform, which is is a required use of the software to close out a listing, which has heavily increased the participation in our integrated CRM. Okay. Uh, so we built our 
CRM maybe a decade ago. So our agents have been on platform with their clients. You back then, a decade ago, it was re- revolved around digital advertising and marketing, where now it's really revolved around everything beyond that, including the transaction. So there is everything, including closing documents, et cetera. And in platform now is soon by the end of this year going to be consumer facing, which would be a big deal for ancillary services like mortgage, title, and insurance. That's a big piece of it. And we actually just are finishing up building some artificial intelligence to give those customers that are in the agent CRM a move score, finding the predictability of what agents or what what people are going to be moving sooner rather than later. So short answer to your question is we've really developed everything that's out there and available that's public facing to the consumer and back end facing to create efficiency to save our agents time when processing transactions and farming their market. Okay. And so what uh, what kind of adoption do you get with that and, and how do you get that adoption? You know, we have, I would, say, I would say we have pretty complete adoption because in order to get paid in a transaction, you have to use our system. Um, you know, we are you know fully paperless and have been for years. You know, we created this system so that our agents had sort of an integrated approach to everything that they do. But in order for them to, to process their deals, in order for them to get paid, they have to use the system. So pretty much everybody uses it um, all the time because it, it is the basis of how they do their work. And as Dad alluded to before, you know, we looked at other systems, off-the-shelf systems back in the day, and we actually tried to use other vendors and tried to piece systems together years ago. And we just found that things didn't work. They didn't work the way we wanted them to. They didn't work well for the agents. They were going in and out of multiple systems. Um, things just didn't, it, it didn't make it easier for them. And in many cases, it made it harder for them. So, you know, we we kind of went on this journey, got over a decade, well over a decade ago, um, particularly when we brought our current chief operating officer in, who, who really helped architect our entire system and, want, and wanted to create this end end from beginning to end. And as that said, even from pre-beginning where the, the agent can fully manage their business, it does force them to use the system in order to function at at properties. But, you know, we have agents that are super technologically advanced 20 somethings and we have agents in their seventies and they'll all tell you the same thing. It's very intuitive, very easy to use. And we get no pushback from anyone on our team in, in using the systems. Yeah. That's yeah, one dashboard, one login. So it makes <laughs> okay. it super easy and yeah. it's mobile. Okay. And that's what I was going to say. That that seems to be the biggest um, kind of hindrance for agents is the multiple logins and systems that don't fully integrate with each other. Um, so they're trying to piecemeal a system together and it's frustrating for them. So they might use one part of it, but not the other. Um, so And now that we've moved into multiple markets, the reaction is, is the best platform that's on the market nationally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we feel really confident about it. Good. That's great. Yeah, because it's 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 incredibly frustrating to have to put the same data into a system multiple times. And you really can't get a lot of the vendors to work together to integrate the systems together. So as you said, you're piecemealing it together and it just takes too much time and energy. We wanted it to be easy. I mean, Thad and I sold real estate for years and we struggled. Now, we were a little bit pre-technology when we first started selling, but we were still selling in the early 2000s when technology was starting to advance a little bit. And it was just frustrating because things didn't really work very well. So as we developed the system, we always had in mind, how can we make it as easy as possible and as uh, as efficient as possible so that if an agent puts information in the system, they put it in once, it travels through the system from the beginning to the end of the deal, and they don't have to keep putting things in or chasing things down. And it's, you know, we're continually improving it, but it is a, it is a very robust, very, very, very user-friendly system. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, and I know that recently you've taken a big step in franchising the company and um, your franchises in Dallas, Detroit, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, there might be others that I don't know about. Um, so tell me about your growth strategy and where your focus is right now. So you know, we wanted to have the first franchises be close to home, you know, but what we did prior to franchising is the acquisition of Ansley in Atlanta, Georgia. At the time, that company was about four to five hundred million. And we wanted to control the first time we ever uh, transferred our software into a new market. So we would just make sure that the adoption on all the other tools besides the DMS um, were high. We wanted to make, we have great adoption here. So we wanted to have a great adoption and not rely on a franchisee. And so that went astoundingly well. I think this year they may end up closing two billion in under three years as far as the increase. So we really mastered how to increase adoption and you know roll out our tech by by uh, acquiring Ansley. And since then, locally, it's been awesome because La Crosse is close by, Indianapolis is close by, Detroit's close by, Dallas is further, and the next three or four that we're announced are going to be even further out. But it was primarily we wanted to keep it close to home so we could uh, be there very quickly and really participate in the rollout of the software and make sure that the cultures were aligned and the rollout of all the marketing was appreciated as well. And so your growth strategy going forward is going to be more of an acquisition strategy or um, do you have a combined organic plus acquisition strategy that you're working on right now? I'd say it's, you could say it's a multifaceted strategy. Um, definitely the franchise growth piece is really important to us. We see a tremendous amount of opportunity for us to take our systems into other markets and help other brokers excel and, and drive growth. You know, as that said, you know, we, we kind of experimented on ourselves the first time because we really wanted to understand how it all worked. But um, once we got it down, we feel very comfortable bringing it in. And we've now successfully implemented it in multiple markets and people have been very happy about it. So the franchise piece is incredibly important. But in addition to that, we're still open to acquisitions. If it's the right acquisition, we'll do it. And then we're always organically growing. Organic growth was how Thad and I started the company um, you know, 21 years ago. Uh, until Quad C came along, we had never bought another company. It was all organic growth for our first um, 18 plus years. And, you know, I, I think they've done a great job of pushing us a little out of our comfort zone, which, and looking at and doing some acquisitions, which has been really additive for us. We've learned a lot and we've been able to grow in different ways. So we're, we're gonna grow all different ways. We're gonna continue our organic growth strategy, particularly in the Chicagoland area, um, but we're gonna be looking to, for growth through franchises and then for the right acquisitions. Okay. And so tell me about your organic strategy. Um, you know, what, what do you really, you know, obviously it goes along with your retention strategy as well, but what do you, what do you really think you do well as far as the recruitment and retention of agents? Well, that has a lot to do with our culture. You know, I mean, number one, I would say some of the things that, you know, something affects each agent differently on why they're attracted with two ad or why they stay with that. Lots of people, it's the technology, a tremendous number of people, I guess really what we're known for primarily is our marketing. Our marketing has been best in class for 20 years. Um, and also our culture is what has staved off competitors from having a greater impact on us that have moved into the market. And the culture is palpable within our company. I mean, every company talks about having a great culture, right? But a culture is really only tested um, when it faces adversity. And let's face it, over the last five years across the country, every existing brokerage, whether independent or franchise, faced adversity uh, with Compass coming into their market. So we were the largest company 
uh, in all of Chicagoland, and we had the least amount of loss to compass. So that's a true test of culture. So if you're able to measure, have a barometer of really what culture is the best in the United States of America, it's ours because we were the company that had the greatest market share that was least impacted. Now we were very competitive when it came to technology and we have better marketing. So we had a better mousetrap, but our agents were offered more money to leave and they stayed. So I would have to make that about culture. So when you talk about organic growth, because we have the best marketing, the best technology, training, coaching, and culture, it's very easy for us to grow horizontally into adjacent markets. And that's what we've been doing. Over the last year, we've opened, I don't know, four or five offices. We've opened in Indiana and Cherville, Crown Point, Valparaiso. Uh, we've opened in Naperville. Uh, we just opened in Algonquin. Uh, we just opened in Orland Park. Uh, we're looking at additional offices and renewing offices. So we're still very, very focused on our organic growth in the Chicagoland area and second home markets of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Indiana. And I would have to say that you know, there is something incredibly unique about a culture because it's one thing you can't buy, right? You can buy and invest in technology. You can buy and invest in marketing, but you can't buy people. You can't buy a personality. You can't really buy love. So that side of it is the authenticity of our culture that, that keeps people here. And do you, um, how do you handle your recruiting? Do you have managers handle recruiting? Do you have a recruiter and a, like a business development team? Do you guys handle it? What is your strategy for that? We handle the recruiting. So we oversee the managing brokers who individually recruit individual agents that they want to work with. Um, when we're recruiting an agent, we expose them to our training and coaching division to help them grow their business. And we showcase them our marketing side and our tech. Um, so they're able to see those three facets of it. Most of them are in the area and they understand our culture. So, you know, recruiting for us has been, I don't want to say it's been easy, but, you know, the numbers say it's been really easy. Yeah, and as you grow and franchise, um, you know, how do you feel you're going to scale that culture as you as you get bigger? You know, I think that because all of our growth in our market has been organic, it's very hard to buy companies and have their culture align because it was an existing company that had an existing culture before you bought it. That's really hard. And I think we can do it with small companies, uh, but big companies, it's really, really difficult. Um, so I think we're doing a good job because we're people say we're growing really fast organically. I would say we're growing at a very natural pace, a pace that we can control quality culture. Going to add in. Uh, I was going to say that it, it's incredibly important if we look at acquisitions that they be the perfect match for us. You know, when we when we decided to partner and buy Ansley, you know, Bono Ansley, the, the leader down there who built that company, it's our partner down there, was the perfect fit for us. He had the same cultural type feel to his company. It felt like us maybe 15 years earlier. So for us, it's not just about buying companies. It'll be about if we're going to buy and acquire, it's got to be the right fit. We feel like we can really grow. And it's got to be culturally aligned with us. And, you know, we're, our culture isn't necessarily for everybody. Um, so we're very, I would say, picky. Or maybe picky is not the right word, but very careful about um, who we align with and how we align. Okay. And I, what I was going to say is I'm throwing a different question at you that's not in here. Um, but I want to talk to you about your ancillary services. And are you looking at any different? I know there's kind of a lot of trends going on in the different ancillary services, especially with more financing platforms, um, cash, all cash buyers, partnering with iBuyers or with bridge loan companies. 
Are you looking into any of that or um, do you already do any of that um, within your services? Well, you know, as a company, we've always been really opportunistic in that we're always looking at all options uh, and we try to evaluate them. You know, we have a lot of the standard type ancillary services. You know, we've got a great mortgage partnership with Guaranteed Rate called Proper Rate. It's been incredibly successful for us in a short period of time. We have an awesome team and again, very culturally aligned with us. We've been in the title business now for about eight years. And again, you know, very aligned with, with who we are. We are looking to try to expand. I mean, I know that and I have talked a lot about trying to incorporate blockchain technology into, into title and try to be more on the leading edge. As we see the opportunities, we will do that and get into those. We're, we're, we evaluate every opportunity out there, and it just depends on which ones we feel like are fit. You know, being an iBuyer for, for us right now probably isn't isn't on the radar screen for, you know, that's a very, very capital intensive business. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be the right fit for us today, but in six months, it could be. So it really just depends. We're always looking at kind of what, how things are evolving and what the opportunities look like. And if we feel like we can make it a profitable, um, make a profitable venture out of it and it's additive and, uh, and value add to our, our core, which is our brokerage company, then we'll always look at it. And if it's not going to be value add or if it's not the right fit, then, you know, we probably pass. Um, and you had mentioned Compass before, um, but do you still consider them your biggest competition or who do you feel is your biggest competition and why? And we, we talk a lot about our competitors all the time. We view everyone as a competitor to us. And we're always looking at all of our competitors. Obviously, Compass has been the one that's made the biggest splash. Um, they had the most money and they weren't afraid to burn it. So they, um, you know, they, they bought a lot of agents. And um, so we have to be very, very aware. And, and you know, they, they, we had to make sure that they didn't affect us. And, you know, they, I think they impacted everyone in some uh, form. But thankfully, they impacted us probably least of all the other major companies out there, particularly in our market. Um, but we view all of our, we look at every one of our competitors and we're always watching what they're all doing, making sure we're adapting and we're staying two steps ahead. So for us, we have a tremendous amount of respect for everyone in the industry and we won't write anyone off because as soon as you write somebody off, you, you run the risk of getting caught and, um, and getting hurt. So for us, it's, it's always being aware of what everyone's doing, you know, not just the one who's making the big splash right now, but, you know, who might be gearing up to do something different uh, as well. Okay. Great. Um, and so let's talk about change because, of course, there's always change happening in real estate. That's what makes it so fun. Um, and are there any changes in the brokerage environment that have changed the way you operate now or that would cause you to add new services? You know, we, we really believe that the real estate agent has to improve and provide more to the consumer every single year to justify the cost. I mean, whether it's Redfin or another discount broker, they're always going to be a less expensive option. And we've had home appreciation over the last couple of years that's significant. And we've always maintained our same percentage through that. And so the only defense I can say to that on why that's possible is that within the industry, because it's so innovative and competitive, we are providing significantly greater resources to the consumer every single year, whether that service is through the agent, whether those are products through the uh, broker directly, but there is a better and more efficient system that's provided for the, for the consumer. And the real estate agent, let's face it, is taking a tremendous amount on. They're taking a lot more on than they have in the past. So, you know, as far as opportunities, I think that that's where it lies is that how can I have the best value proposition in comparison to a competitor? 
And every market is a little bit different. But because we're independent contractors and entrepreneurs, I think the end result is the consumer is getting a better and better product every single year. Okay. And we also, you know, we view our agents as our primary customer. So for us, it's always about trying to find ways to create more value for them as well. It's always, you know, for us, you can never rest on your laurels. You know, that Thad, Thad, if you've heard Thad speak before, he's he's definitely thrown the phrase out, if it's not broken, break it and do it better. And that's the mantra that we live by all the time here. We never are ones to sit back on our laurels and say, wow, we figured this out. We're always saying, okay, what can we do better? How can we improve it? When we ask for feedback from our, our agents, our team here, like, it's great to hear what we're doing right, but what we really want to hear is what we're doing wrong and what we could be doing better. For us, our company is always based on how we're going to improve, how we're going to do something better next time, and how we're going to provide more value. And that trickles down to the agent and to the consumer. So for us, it's it's a it's constant change to us is a good thing because it provides tremendous opportunity, but you have to stay nimble and you've got to stay on the forefront of what's going on or you will get left behind. Yeah. And, and as far as opportunities for real estate brokers, not just your company, but brokers in general in the next year, um, where do you see those biggest opportunities or trends that um, you think will really push the industry forward or, or backward, I guess? Um, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a tremendous, obviously, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis on providing value to the agents to bring to the consumers. Um, and for and for us, it's also providing agents to, I mean, providing value to our agents. How are we going to make their job easier? How are we going to um, help them grow their business faster? How are we going to allow them to, you know, operate more efficiently? It's, it, you know, it's just creating resources for them. I mean, that I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about suburban jungle, but that's a, you know, that's a service that we bought recently that we felt like is a big value add, trying to find a new dynamic and a new way for us to to bring a value to our agents that they aren't getting from someone else. You, you know, one thing is that, you know, sometimes you can reinvent the old school, right? In the old days, a lot of agents went to brokerages because they got leads from that brokerage, uh, whether it was through relocation or sitting floor, right? Mm -hmm. You'd sit in the office and you'd wait for the phone to ring and you'd try to close that consumer. So we've been, we decided over the last 15 years not to participate in the online lead game. Now, we had a tremendous amount of online leads because of our market share in Chicago, but we didn't buy leads from Zillow. We didn't buy leads from, we were actually the first company to ever have an API with Zillow. Trulia and Realtor.com. So we did, and we were the only company nationally to have a presence on all of our listings, but we didn't pay extra just for leads. So what we decided over the last year when we looked at Suburban Jungle and we acquired them was to begin to participate in the lead generation side, but not do it through online leads where you're buying somebody else's leads, but to figure out how to generate our own leads and cultivate the relationship with the consumer directly prior to transferring on to the agent. So having a high conversion rate, which Suburban Jungle has an enormously high conversion rate. Off the top of my head, I think it's around 80%, 70 or 80%. Uh, that side of it is really attractive for agents. And so if we can build that so that size of those leads grows, we feel that will be. And we have other things aside from Suburban Jungle that we're looking at for lead gen that are different from all of our competitors. But we're really looking at building the infrastructure ourselves as opposed to relying on somebody's infrastructure to attract the lead. Now, Suburban Jungle, is that, you said that was an acquisition, not a partnership. Okay, and right. explain a little bit more about what that is. So that was a very interesting opportunity pre-COVID that was built. It was giving information to urban 
dwellers on suburbs. A lot of questions and uh, in from everything from the basic questions like transportation, schools, commercial infrastructure, down to the nuance of education, crime, safety, et cetera. And when COVID hit, it really accelerated a lot of the people that were moving out of urban areas and into suburban areas. So we looked at that and we looked at their mousetrap on the way that they were cultivating the relationship with the consumer prior to transferring it to the real estate agent and the cost versus the return and the conversion rate. And it was a fabulous uh, financials. And so then obviously from suburban jungle, you can create urban jungle where people are moving from the suburbs back to the city. And so being able to use that as a lead gen uh, for our franchisees, for our affiliates and broker-owned companies, we felt would be substantial. So that's kind of the beginning of our focus on lead providing leads for our agents. It's one of the things that most brokerages have abandoned, right? We're going to, aside from online leads and buying those leads. So we're our, one of our focuses is going to be in generating the leads on our own platform. Okay. And now is that um, something that offers nationwide information or is it specific to the Chicagoland area? Um, Mike, how many markets are we ready for now? 13? Well, I mean, it, it started in New York. So it was, a new, okay. it was a New York startup a number of years ago. They've expanded into, I want to say, six or seven other markets right now. Obviously, Chicago, um, Nashville, uh, I don't have a list of all the other markets that they're in, but they're they are expanding out into a variety of different markets. It's not it, when, it, when I say it's not national, it's not in every market yet, right. because it, 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 there is some labor involved in each market. You do have to have an expert, a person that they can talk with because there is a, uh, a technology online piece. But then there's also some, you know, some some human interaction there. So you have to have someone who has some expertise in those areas for them, for people to talk with. That's how the leads get cultivated. And then when they, by the time they get to the agent, that said, the the conversion rate at that point is incredibly high because at that point they're ready to they're ready to go and they understand where they want to be. Um, but we see a tremendous opportunity to be able to roll this out because it's a it's a platform and a system, and we see a tremendous amount a tremendous opportunity to take that and roll it out in all the markets that we operate in. So we'll be looking to grow that in every market that we're in, the, that our franchisees are in, so we can bring that value add to the table. And then you know we'll look at other markets as well. But it's a, we think it's just a tremendous um, opportunity. And you know, as that said, where companies have started to shy away from things, we see an opportunity. Um, you know, it's not that different than years and years ago when everyone was pulling out of print advertising. Um, back when we were first starting the company, we went big on print and, um, you know, it paid off. We had huge presence in, in, um, in a lot of brand recognition because we were doing something different than everyone else was doing. So we're, we're not we're definitely not a follow the leader kind of company. We, we're, we, we're not afraid to take old ideas and repurpose them in the new ways of doing things. But we're always looking to try to do things differently and provide more value. Okay, great. Um, and my last question is really just what does the future hold for your firm? And do you have any announcements that you'd like to tell me about that I will keep my mouth shut until then? I would love to hear them. <laughs> we might have a big one, but it won't be in two weeks. It'll be probably okay. in like 10, 12 weeks. Okay. Okay. Well, for that one. <laughs> you can check back with us on that one. All right. <laughs> but I mean, as, as a company, listen, we're, you know, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to innovate. Um, you know, uh, we will never sit back and say, okay, we've, we've accomplished X, we've accomplished Y, we're good. We're never good. So, you know, you're, you're going to see growth from us, but smart growth. Um, you know, one of the most important things for us is the people that work here all feel valued and they feel like they feel special. They feel a part of something. And we want to make sure we never lose that feeling, that cultural feeling that we have 
And, you know, we hope that gets engendered with all of our franchisees as well, because it's a really important part of the success of our company. But for us, we're going to continue to push growth and we're going to continue to innovate, come up with new ideas and, and, and always be trying to provide that next level of service to our, our clients who are our brokers. Yeah. And have you, um, you know, felt any of the effects of COVID as far as like closing offices or combining offices or anything like no, that? that? Was, that was an interesting thing when people had said that COVID had negatively affect their culture. Yeah. It was the opposite for us. Yeah. It affected our, we generated more appreciation and gratitude during the 12 months of COVID than we ever had in the 20 years prior. And I think it's because our leadership, Mike in particular, he organized an entire effort for PPP and unemployment for all of our agents. Yeah. And so he really ran all the financial financial side of COVID that kept everybody afloat, which they could benefit from and the appreciation generated through that. And then also during shelter in place, our training and coaching team designed the best program. What we knew is we knew we would have a hundred percent adoption because everybody was at home. So we <laughs> yeah. had 90 days and we created a program called do it now. And it was awesome. I mean, the amount of uh, attention that their sphere of influence got, if you look at our market share growth post COVID, we destroyed the market. And I would attribute our numbers to not only our horizontal growth of opening new offices, but the fact that our programming of our training and coaching during shelter in place, that killed it. We had, I think we sent out 5,000 dozen bagels to people's houses when they were shelter in place. We had so many, we had all this stuff go out to people that there was so much appreciation in the sharing of our love logo while people were stuck at home that, that the affinity for app properties was palpable. Yeah, you know, and and it's funny because I I've heard from um, a lot of brokers who found the ones who built a program, you know, for you know because the shelter in place was happening and wanted to keep those relationships going with their agents really benefited a lot from that. The relationships obviously are so important, but I think it's also brought to the forefront the fact that you should always be doing these things. Um, you know that that don't use a pandemic as an excuse for it, that that these things are now built into, and some of that is your culture to begin with, but some of that is, oh, you know what, why can't we send out bagels, you know, once a year or a couple times a year or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been doing those things for years, but, yeah. you know, Thad really pushed our, our team, our, our training coaching team and our marketing team to really ramp up the efforts. And, you know, we really tripled down on communication and not just communication with our team, but then really helping to educate our people to communicate with their clients. So it was like an all out effort. Um, and as that said, it actually was COVID almost made it easier because we had people's attention. And it was surprising that some of our competitors, literally, they sheltered in place themselves. They just went into a hole and were kind of hoping they, they'd come out of it later. And for us, we saw it as an incredible opportunity, but our whole team stepped up. And, you know, and, and I, you know, Thad huddled up with our team initially and just came up with some great ideas that we're continuing to implement today that have become just a ingrained part of our culture now that were, you know, that were basically lifelines for people during COVID. So, you know, like anything else, you know, there's bad things that happen, but you can find opportunity in them. And there were incredible and there continue to be incredible opportunities as long as you're willing to change and evolve and grow. And that's what we're all about. So for us, it's natural and easy, but it's, I guess, not as natural and easy for others, which uh, is a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah, and then this is just because I'm curious. I've read multiple things of, you know, the the exodus from the urban centers. And, um, and are you seeing people coming back now? 
Or did never you really, never truly see saw the Exodus? We didn't. We never truly saw an Exodus. I mean, there definitely we saw people move to the suburbs that had held off on suburban moves. But like the city market was not down during COVID. It yeah. wasn't up. It was kind of flat, but it wasn't down. The suburban markets were up a lot. Um, but they had been suffering for years, for like a decade. Um, so things just sort of equalized out. But, you know, the city, the, Chicago is a vibrant city. And especially, you know, now in the spring and the summer, you know, we, we've seen great strength in the market here. It's been a lot better. And now you're seeing people come, really come back. The one group that didn't, empty nesters, definitely held off. If you had a nice big house in the suburbs, you probably didn't move into a condo where you couldn't go out for a year. But um, so you're seeing that group start to come back. But it, all in all, we still saw plenty of movement in the city as well as the suburbs. And definitely, you know, if anything, we've seen that Chicago is actually growing a little bit, not going backwards. Okay. Well, thank you both for joining me on the Real Trending Podcast. I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy and um, it's always nice to chat. So thank you. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.